1: These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
2: This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Holy Human with Leanne Rhimes is a production of iHeartRadio. Joining me now is an exceptionally talented man that I am so grateful to also call my friend. While we definitely connected during our time together on The mass Singer, we actually go back a lot further. We sang a duet together on my Today is Christmas album a few years ago. And in the spirit of the mass singer, I'll throw out some clues. He was born, Egbert Nathaniel Dawkins III, to Panamanian parents in Southern California. He was a Renaissance and trusty scholar at the University of Southern California, where he majored in linguistics and psychology. And after graduating, he went on to become the international recording superstar known as (laughs) Drumroll Aloe Black. And I am so happy to welcome him on the Holy Human podcast. Hello, Black, welcome to the Holy Human Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on here.
4: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
3: I have to say, if anyone has met this man, you are one of the kindest human beings I have ever been around. And it brings me such joy to just even be in your energy because your heart is so full and what you give to people is so beautiful. Um, So just thank you for that.
4: Thank you. You seem the same. So I I guess game recognized game. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Right. I'm so glad that we actually get to sit here and talk about our experience on The Masked Singer, because first off, as I have been keeping this in for months, weeks now, and it's been really difficult, (laughs) people hitting us up thinking it's us on the show. How has the experience been for you of just like of just keeping it quiet? Well,
4: (laughs) keeping it quiet is is definitely the hard part, because I was trying to keep it a secret and make it a surprise for my wife. And Aww. there was one, I think it was like a holiday, Labor Day or something came up and she was wondering, why am I working on Labor Day? Why can't I <laughs> cancel whatever I'm doing? And, right. and so I had to open up and let her know that, okay, here's the deal. I know you didn't sign the NDA, but right. this, is, this is the secret and I was going to surprise you with it. Aww, but now I let's keep it a secret and we can surprise the kids.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, how old are your children?
4: I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old.
3: Okay, so, yeah. Have you and your family ever watched the show before?
4: Previous seasons, no. We hadn't watched as a family. This season, we're certainly watching as a family. <laughs> and recently, my daughter said, oh, my gosh, the Mushroom kind of sounded like Daddy for a second. Oh, and then I realized I love that. that's the end of this group uh, episode that we're going to watch. We're going to watch all the other groups. <laughs> we're not going to watch my group's episodes anymore.
3: That is too funny. I know for me like I was in the studio recording. It was my I want to I don't want to say lie, but that was my white lie. <laughs> what were you out doing? Same, were you in the studio? Same saying, exact,
4: okay. same exact. I had <laughs> I had on the calendar, you know, this thing um about a, a toy company I was negotiating with and that I was making ah. children's music for. And it's true I am doing it, but it just wasn't happening then. And right. so that was, was what was on the calendar and that's what the uh, do we say lie, yeah yeah well, what the lie lie, was that's what the lie was
3: <laughs> our fib, yeah, because <laughs> I was in the studio too at the same time, ish, so it wasn't mm-hmm. really like quite the the lie, <laughs> but what led you to say yes to the mass singer?
4: I had been asked to participate in the mass singer in another country, and I was really seriously considering it, but I thought the travel, the time away from family, all right. of that was going to be a bit overbearing the fact that it was in los angeles just down the street from my house yeah it sealed the deal but also to be able to be someone completely different and Mm -hmm. experience what i do on stage as a brand new character and with a brand new energy i thought that was an exciting part of the show and it doesn't hurt that it's the most popular show on TV.
3: Right, right, right. Um, yeah, that's such a, the character and developing the character was such an interesting piece. And one of my favorite things about the show was the team that we got to work with. Like every single person was so creative and just brought their own gifts to the show. And there were so many gifted people. Like when you started creating your character, did they present you with the mushroom? Did you have an idea to do the mushroom? Like tell me that whole process. Right. Well, oh, they you. had
4: a few ideas of what character they could present me. They all seemed a bit too close to who I am, mm-hmm. right? My stage name is Aloe and one of the characters was Broccoli. And I thought, that's a little bit too close, a green vegetable. And then there was this other character. I think it was a shark or something like that. And with a fedora or a trilby hat. And it felt Mm -hmm. like, okay, that's a bit too close to my style as well, like in a suit. So I thought, um, what is the complete opposite that looks different? And the mushroom outfit looked very different from me and from the artist that I am in my career. So... I figured this was the one. I wanted to play the game and try to throw everybody off the trail.
3: I have to say I had no idea. No idea until
4: until the, the day very, we were in the same last. yeah, Hi? until the day we were in the same building at the same time.
3: Yeah, no, I, well, cuz we were also in different groups, mm-hmm. so I hadn't gotten to hear you perform. And you were next to me warming up singing Stevie Wonder and I started like harmonizing with you like underneath my breath <laughs> and literally I go Damn, we sound good together. We should do we should duet, whoever that is. <laughs> already <Fun> done. <laughs> We've already done that yes, in real we have. life. Which you are so gracious to come on my Christmas record. And that's one of my favorite great songs. Favorite. Yeah, it's so good.
4: amazing.
3: I love your voice so much. It's interesting. I remember after the whole finale and mm-hmm. after I won, and I, I was like, can I go hug him? I know we'd all been, you know, tested, and I'm like, that's my friend. I just want to go <laughs> hug him. He's the sweetest man. I'm so I, glad um, you did. Yeah, I'm so glad you just, did. It was
4: a real moment finally yes. in this in this uh, masked world, right? And of of right. of, of um putting on airs and like trying to be something different. That was a real moment. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Oh, yes. And thank you. And I actually, I was crying the other day cause I was, I was thinking of our, our, um, our conversation today and I was going through just your life and just questions and thinking about things. And one of the things you said to me right after was, I hope she was hearing how much love they had for mm. her. And I literally, I, I remembered that the other day and I told my husband, I started crying. I was like, <laughs> that's so sweet. Like, but it was it was so cool to have a friend like next to me at the final and not even knowing it.
4: Right. To, that to was awesome. End. You know, I I didn't realize um, who you were either uh, until the end. There was a text that I received out of the blue from uh, Daryl. And I thought, uh-huh. hmm, why is Daryl texting <laughs> me right now? <laughs> and I thought, do I respond? Does he know? He has to know. Is that Leanne? Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is Leanne.
3: I just want to quickly explain to you guys that Daryl is my wonderful manager.
4: And so I texted him back and was like, hey, how's everything going? I tried to keep it, you know, a bit right? casual <laughs> and not not blow my cover.
3: Yeah, no, he knew. I know, like at the very, very end. And he didn't tell me. Cause I was like, I was totally like just had no idea. And it was so interesting to me because I don't know, I, this is something I want to get into with you is competition. Like, how are you with competition? Because for me, I've really kind of dug into this because I haven't had to be in kind of that kind of competition, like mode for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when it turns on inside of me. Um, there's like this, I, like I'm going for it, like full out, like, you know, everything I've got, goes into the creation or went into the creation of of my character and the songs and the whole thing. When it was down to you and me, it was like, it was so interesting what I recognized for myself about what competition does because I started competing when I was really, really young. Right. Competition for me was almost like, to win was the way that I learned how to receive love or that's like what I equated it with. And so I know what comes out in me to avoid the feeling of loss Mm -hmm. or how I equate quote unquote losing is like a loss for me. So I think in my mind and my body, like what comes out is like I have to win. And then when it's your friend next to you, I'm like, I don't anybody else feeling opposite of winning. Like, which who knows how you felt, but in my mind, it's like for anyone to have to win this at this moment is like really sad because you're my friend, you know? So how does that play out in your world? So for me,
4: okay, I haven't had to compete since high school, right? like in sports and music festival where I played the trumpet and I had to compete for first chair. What comes up for me in competition now is like, just have fun and winning doesn't matter. That's what comes up for me. It's like I was in this game, playing it to see how long I could last and and fool the panel. So that's what I thought. Really, the Mask Singer was about fooling the panel, not standing. <laughs> the final who is the last person, right, to win the uh, golden mask.
3: You did amazing.
4: I thought I did pretty good. I was like, I, I'm I'm fooling them. It seems like it's uh, you know I'm I'm getting away with it. So I felt. I felt like I was doing all right. I think that's where all my my competitive spirit was in, like making sure that I was, you know, ducking all the clues.
3: Yeah, it was interesting for me because I actually have said no to the show. They've asked me to do the show before. And even this time I was like, I don't think I can do that because I don't think I can fool people with my voice. And then am I doing myself an injustice if I'd go to try to disguise my voice and how would that sound? And from their point of view, they were like, no, just be you and do you. And like from the first show, my Twitter was blowing up like that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. times. Oh, yeah. Instantly. And I'm like, I knew I just knew people like people have grown up with listening. So to you're like voice a family so member. Long, and I they like, know no way your I voice.
4: Can. They yeah, know it.
3: There was just no way.
4: I, I tried to throw different voices as often as I could.
3: I love that.
4: Because I knew if I went in with my regular you know, and well-known timbre, mm-hmm. it, immediately they would guess who I was, and the show would be over, and I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have any fun. And so for me, the fun was really just coming back and singing something different with a different voice. I asked for um, female power ballads. Oh, wow. So that I could... Try to approximate a whole different kind of energy in a different timbre, and especially with the mushroom outfit that had yes. you know the stem that was basically a skirt. Then I, yes. I I put on this this character that was like my little daughter's energy when she dresses up in her princess dresses. Have
3: you ever worn a skirt before no, that?
4: No, <laughs> it was the first time. And you know what? When I perform on stage, I do a lot of funky soul music, so I'm dancing. I'm like you know doing yeah, James Brown moves moods. and all kinds of stuff, and I couldn't move the way I wanted to move on stage because the the skirt was really restrictive. So, you know, if I ever do this again, I'm definitely getting pants.
3: Yeah, well, you did great. And that's we actually were backstage. I remember talking about how well you played that skirt because, (laughs) I mean, you did it well. And we were like, oh, no, like you had kind of a feminine, the feminine quality about it, which was so beautiful. I don't, how did that feel for you to like bring out that side of you? I just kept
4: thinking of like when I'm playing with my daughter and she's, you know, she's dressing up in her princess outfits when she's on stage. We have this uh, Mm -hmm. raised area over by the fireplace where she'll perform. And all of that really Uh started to be the kind of character of the mushroom, oh, nice. of who I was. And even though I know they changed the voice, I would still even speak into the microphone like this. <laughs> I was changing my voice on purpose, knowing that they're going to change my voice later. <laughs> it was, oh my God, it was it's all amazing. Ridiculous.
3: It worked so well, though, because you really had everyone fooled. I mean, to me, you were my favorite part of that show because of that reason. Like you clearly, you thought out that process of really disguising... You were thank you and it was
4: but your voice sounded from ph- phenomenal on all of the songs and the way that you performed billy eilish's when the party's over was stunning it was thank you awe-inspiring
3: thank you yeah that was interesting because the arrangement was really interesting what was going on in my ears and what people couldn't see because everything was a cappella. so then it was oh, wow. all of these different counts right one, two, three, one, two, like and so I was so nervous before that because I'm like I'm so going to screw See, this, this up. The, like this is the hard
4: part about the show. There's so much uh, going on in your ears. There's the couch. <laughs> yes. There's uh, stage managers and then there's the nervousness of performing but not having a second chance because you're in front of the panel, right? right. And it, so it's not a rehearsal. This is real. You're doing it live. Yeah. You're you're stuck in this hot costume. You're not sure if yes. it's picking up all your your moments perfectly. Like it was it's really tough. This is not an easy easy show.
3: No, it's not. It was a lot more work than I expected ever to, for anything like that to be. And uh, what was your experience inside the costume? Because I know for me, like, you know, the head piece, are you like at all claustrophobic?
4: I'm not claustrophobic. Okay. But the head piece was heavy. And I was like, I'm going to need two weeks worth of massages every day (laughs) to get (laughs) over, to get over this, uh, you know, this (laughs) muscles, the muscles that are growing in my neck right now.
3: Uh, yeah, no, it was definitely a challenge because as a singer, as you know, like everything needs to be open and free Mm -hmm. and I actually lost my voice. Get out. (laughs) So right after the first show, Mm -hmm. because they had us singing, they they had us pre-recording everything I had, there was so much to do and so little time. And after the first show, I came the next day to record and I all of a sudden started warming up and I'm like, oh my God, I'm losing my voice. Okay, we're going to be right back with more Inside Scoop from Behind the Mess Singer.
5: any disease.
6: Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parish from my new series, Parish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver.
7: Yeah!
6: I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show, we have moments of real danger, and we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man, he's invited to make money, and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head.
7: Now, let's go!
6: He will try to do what's right and seek justice parish all new
2: sundays at nine on amc and stream on amc plus this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect Purdue's online university for working adults you know you're worth it we do too so don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu
3: welcome back you guys so yes after the very first show i started to lose my voice so, I ended up on like drugs, on um, steroids, not drug drugs, but mm-hmm. like steroids, and like was so worried. Like, I had the w- worst experience. And one of the reasons was because of the weight of the costume. Yeah. Like, made me start contorting myself and doing things that I wouldn't normally,
4: normally. do. I feel you. So,
3: people have no idea what's so going that's,
4: on. That's one of the things I didn't prepare. <laughs> properly either and there was no one to tell me like my producer it was amazing but I don't think he understands the nuances of of a singer right. so when I went in to pre-record the just in cases like in the studio I went hard I went like yes. six takes of each song and and the next day I was like "Uh oh I gotta actually do this on stage yeah I wasn't strategizing properly so then by the end of the whole thing I think my last song the finale song was when my mm-hmm. voice was the weakest I remember rehearsing backstage because I had vocal coaches for us. Mm-hmm. Rehearsing with a vocal coach, and I was like, "You know what? Let's just take it down another half step. Okay, let's go down another half step, <laughs> <laughs> just so I can get the notes that I normally get. Because at this point, right. my voice was tired a really lot.
3: Yeah, well, it's interesting because we—I don't know about you, but I mean, I've, I'm on the road a lot of the time. I'm sure you are too. And it, this whole situation wouldn't have happened. I don't think I would have said yes to the show because they usually spread it out over a significant period of time. Oh, really? And, oh yeah, it's usually like several weeks. And so for us, we got like this condensed version. Oh,
4: yay for us then. Okay, I thought this was- I know, was, right? I thought this yeah, was how it was, actually okay. was. Good.
3: It was great, but it was definitely challenging. I feel you on the costume, but I did love being- like you were saying, a different character mm-hmm. of ourselves as an artist. Do you really feel like you wear a mask as an artist? Do you feel like yeah, there's any fragmentation there for there's you? There's
4: definitely, I, yeah, fragmentation. I call it compartmentalization. Like there's a, there you go. There's Same a, thing. there's a, a, Nathaniel Dawkins. That's my legal name, and then there's an mm-hmm. Aloe Black. And then because I came up as an MC as a as a rapper, there's a whole other kind of character and energy to what I do as an as a rapper. And then there are songs that I write. That are literally, you know, kind of teeny bopper pop songs that I could mm-hmm. never present as the bow tie and and fedora with a three-piece suit guy, right? right? So, you know, I, I feel like there's all kinds of compartmentalization. And then the real me that you get is when we do an interview like this. You know, like I'm yeah. not, I'm not being aloe black right now. I'm not on stage. I'm just being myself.
3: How does that stage persona serve you? Could you walk on stage as just
4: you? You know, I, I can. I've walked on stage as just me, and I do that when it's an acoustic performance. Um, when mm-hmm. I'm with my pianist or my guitarist, and we're really the bare bones, just voice and instrument, and I get mm-hmm. to tell the stories behind the songs, how I wrote them and, and how the ideas came to me, that's when... It's not the showman. When I've got mm-hmm. my full six piece band, sometimes yeah. with background singers, usually not. I've got to put so much energy out and I love call and response. I love getting the audience to dance and clap and be mm-hmm. participating in the concert. I call it a party mm-hmm. instead of a concert. Then that's when I know I'm something else, right? I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm putting on the Aloe Black character.
3: Well, I'm sure that also comes into play too from like you said you being a rapper and an MC
4: Guaranteed you hit the nail on the head so because I came up as a teenager having to rock a stage there's no getting on I have ballads I have really tender soft moment songs that I never do on stage with my band because when (laughs) I'm on stage with a band I need to make the crowd say hey and yes yes y'all and ho and you know that's I'm still trying to be LL Cool J or Run DMC on stage <laughs> as the soul singer. So I
3: love that. I love yeah. that. What I feel for me was you were a really intuitive, sensitive human being. And with that being mm. said, what revelations did you have? Were there any things that surprised you about yourself or things that you learned being another character that you wouldn't have learned unless you would have been on the show?
4: Um, definitely a new level of endurance. Right. Um, <laughs> There were moments where they were like, "Oh, do you want some water?" And I was like, "Nah." And then I got to the point where I was like, "You know what? When they ask if I want water, just take it. Just take yeah. it. I'm not proving nothing <laughs> to nobody. Just take the water." <laughs> right? Totally. I was like, "I can do this. I'm gonna rough through it." Um, uh, so you know, a, a new level of endurance, but also just yeah. um, the idea that I could probably do theater. I'd never done choreography on stage. For me, it's all about freestyle. When I was young, the hip-hop clubs go into the dance circles, and it's all freestyle. It's not... There's no choreography. Not the kind of things that kids are doing on TikTok nowadays, where they memorize movements. right? It's like, I had, in this moment, to learn how to move while I was singing. And that is brand new. And I'm interested to do it more now, to have some choreography. But probably not with my soul music, probably with something else. And it could be a whole new artist character that I develop that we'll be doing yeah. it, but um
3: that's cool. I mean, have you always wanted to do theater? Is that something that you I keep thinking about it.
4: The I just uh I just keep thinking about how it would feel like a prison to me because music is such a free form of expression and I get to control mm-hmm. every single piece of it. Since I was young, writing producing, mixing, mastering, all the engineering, even the artwork, all of that stuff I would do either by myself or with my hip-hop partner, DJ Exile. Mm -hmm. But being in a film or on a TV show or on stage and having to do the same exact thing over and over again and having to be at a specific place in time, the same place in time over and over again, feels very restrictive to me. And that's something I think I would have to get over mm-hmm. to engage. But I think I would love to do theater. I've been coming up with a one-man piece.
3: Oh, cool! Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Is it the monotony or the lack of control? I think it's the lack the of most? control.
4: My wife says I have control issues. <laughs> yeah. I know it's true. I do. But you know, I feel like this is what I'm. I'm in a comfort zone with this much freedom, yeah. and I can do these other things where there's less control for little bits of time. But then I just yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So does
3: that control bleed over into like to, into all of your whole life? I think,
4: I mean, my I wife th- would say yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think so, but definitely um, there are other parts. You know, musicians that I work with, is, I love working with new musicians all the time. And that's because they get to color their personality onto the performance in a different way. I have a band in Paris. Mm-hmm. I have two bands in LA. You oh, know, when right. I go to Australia, I have a band in Australia. And they all play my songs differently. That's cool. And I'm not controlling or strict about how they share their personality on the music. Where the control comes in is like strategies, processes, functionality. I'm a process-driven individual, so when I can foresee like 10 moves ahead, I want to be sure all those moves are met, and I don't want to take any extra time to explore any (sighs) other avenues because I already know it, like I saw it. Clear as day. Well,
3: so that's your intuition. Like that's you trusting. Yeah, but
4: you know, you, I trust myself. That's me trusting myself. Right. <laughs> um, yes. I have to do some work to open up and be a bit more relaxed when other people are involved. Right. Because of my status, and this has been for many years, not just as a career artist, people assume that I have executive power. And it's because I take the position of executive power and that mm-hmm. then subordinates others in a way that makes them feel that anything that I say could and is is incisive. And I, I you know, I don't want to let that assumption of power subject others to a feeling of subordination, you know. Right.
3: How do your children? Because when you have kids, mm-hmm. like I have two stepsons, and I know when I have kids, like all because I'm I like to control things also, mm-hmm. and I I, th- I feel like I've definitely done some work on being able to be a lot more collaborative in many ways. I had a writing session with someone the other day who was another artist, and it was the first time I've ever done that, and it was so interesting because I'm like having to hold myself back, right. and Like, oh, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that right now. Right. Like, really trying to walk the line of allowing that real collaboration of allowing someone else to process, having my own process. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. I feel like my stepsons have taught me so much about allowing everyone's personality into the room and allowing for flexibility because, you know, I grew up an only child Mm -hmm. and I talk about non-flexible. I mean, (laughs) but at the same time, I was also very much a kind of codependent caretaker with everyone. So I would still make sure that everyone's feelings were taken care of. But at the same time, I felt like I was, for my own safety, need control. And I I just wonder what your kids have taught you around that.
4: Okay. Kids have taught me that my concept of control has to be thrown out the window completely. (laughs) Okay. Um, I didn't realize it until my son was three years old. He's four now. You can't just... Constantly exert your will over kids. They need, they want, and they're supposed to push and pull to find out what the boundaries are. And sometimes you allow them to find those boundaries on their own. And then sometimes, you know, like when it's something dangerous, you make sure that you set that boundary. Kids need to, to play through some moments. When my son is acting up or acting out, I change my mind. And I say, he's not acting up. He's not acting out. He's not being disagreeable. He just wants to play through this. And so when I change my mind about it, I play with him through it. Then we eventually get there, like brushing teeth or you know putting on your pajamas before bed. It's not that he doesn't want to do it. Why is he running around the house naked? He, <laughs> he, he's, he's not trying to make me upset. He just wants attention in a certain way and he wants to play Mm -hmm. through it. And at the end of everything, when my kids are older and I'm at the end of my life, what I want them to say about me is that daddy was fun. We always had fun with daddy. So instead of me saying, hurry up and get to the bedroom and put on your pajamas, I'll chase him. I'll chase him around, pick him up, tickle him and carry him to the bedroom and put on his pajamas. Because ultimately when he's, 10 years old he's not going to be running around the house naked and and i think maybe (laughs) and if he is then i then i take back everything i'm saying now (laughs) but i'm hoping that when he's 10 years old i didn't leave those moments of you know parenting where uh, i could have used more authority i didn't leave them in a way that made him a derelict i'm that's what i hope and i don't think it'll be that way
3: Oh, it's so beautiful that you brought up the word play because you know I started so young and I I lost so much of my childhood mm. and I it didn't really dawn on me till I had children around me and saw, I mean their dad is so wonderful with them and how he played with them and I'm like oh I didn't being an only child and having a job mm-hmm. so early on like I missed play and part of my discovery with the mass singer was getting to play. Again, like as a character, because I remember growing up, you know, being outside and playing on my own and having all these characters and people that I talked to. And I created those, you know, when I was little. And it was almost like it took me back to being five again and getting to create a character and play. It's amazing that you're doing that with your children, because I, I think that adults forget that piece. I
4: think we as songwriters, as performers, entertainers and singers, we are almost the very last playground the last real playground for adults. Oh. There, of course, <laughs> are other
3: makes me sad. <laughs> forms of art
4: that are entertaining in our playgrounds as well, but they're a bit rigid. Television shows and films, everything's spelled out for you. Mm. Music, there's still a whole lot of interpretation going on. Visual mm. art, there's still a whole lot of interpretation going on. And we, um, we get to, to play with our fans and they get to play with us the whole day. You hear a song Mm -hmm. and it stays in your head the whole day, maybe a whole week or month, and you're constantly in this playground, and you can go to it whenever you want because nobody else can hear it. And I think that's one of the beautiful things that we have as songwriters. And hearing your story about the songwriting session, writing with other folks, I I got into that a couple years ago, and I dove, you know, headfirst into it with a bunch of blind date songwriting sessions, like just random. People I never met in, the, in my life, right. but I'm gonna go write a song with them. And I started to learn a lot of different techniques and songwriting methods. And I think it's improved my ability as a songwriter. It's broadened my perspective as a songwriter as well.
3: How does that control play into that piece you for know, you when we're I, about I surrendered.
4: I surrendered right yeah. away. Not right away, sorry. I didn't surrender <laughs> right away. There, was, there, was ses- there were sessions where I was really, really silly with the control. So I like, again, I enjoy process. And Mm -hmm. I was experimenting, I had theories and I had all kinds of, you know, concepts about how to make the best song. At one point I was like, writing a song with a producer who's making a beat in the room, creating a vibe is cheating. Because what you're doing is you're borrowing that vibe and you may end up skimping or slipping on the quality and the strength of the words. So I was Mm -hmm. like, let's just go in. We're gonna write a song. We're just gonna write some lyrics and we're gonna come up with a mm-hmm. melody. I'll have a, a piano nearby so we can come up with chords around the melody, but let's come up with a concept, words, lyrics. And, the, uh, you know, a couple of times that rubbed the songwriting partner the wrong way because they totally <laughs> needed a vibe. They come from a vibe place. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't surrender and I didn't check their needs and I didn't acknowledge what the moment required. And mm-hmm. so at this point, I, I I kind of sit back and I, you know, I glean the best from the people that I'm in the room with.
3: It's interesting. It's an interesting process to dance on that line and and collaborate. And, you know, I think, like I said, as an only child and someone who's been running my life for so long. Thank God I actually had kids in my life to teach me a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's made me a much softer human being and be able to collaborate with people because it's uh we're meant to be communal people we're meant to we're meant to collaborate like this you know when you do it with art like you're all painting a picture together and it's a beautiful experience to have to be able to connect with people on that level yes
4: absolutely absolutely
3: Okay, on that beautiful note, we're gonna take a quick pause, but when we return, Alo reveals his greatest takeaway from behind that mushroom mask.
5: Any disease Hi,
6: I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parish from my new series Parish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah I'm retired from life. You know that his business is failing, his house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money. And he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice parish all new sundays at nine on amc
2: and stream on amc plus this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it, we do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Welcome back everyone. So I have a question I'd love to ask given our shared experience. What did you learn from the anonymity of wearing the mask that you think you will take forward with you.
4: Okay, this may sound a bit functional or clerical, but really it is <laughs> be prepared no matter what. So part of me felt like, oh, I'm wearing a mask. I can phone it in. But it's not true. Re- and you should <laughs> never phone it in. You should always always be prepared and always give a hundred percent
3: you know the great thing about the mask for me as a woman was i could phone in my hair and makeup it didn't <laughs> <you> matter <laughs> i was in sweats sweats outfit back into sweats like did not care i'd come in with wet hair it was awesome yeah. so yeah definitely always be prepared and i think you had to be even more prepared which we didn't know when we first started i think you had to be even more prepared because of the mask Absolutely. like you really had to know what you were doing because you were contending with a so many
4: other things. yeah
3: Interesting. I just want to pivot here and go into um, your history with your psych major.
4: I did. I did major in um, in psychology and linguistics when I was in college.
3: Which is very cool. When I was little, I, I was like five or six. I have no idea how this came to my head, but I either wanted to be a singer or I wanted to be the first female baseball player because I loved baseball or I wanted to be a psych major. I mean, there you go. five or six. I have <laughs> no idea. <laughs> how all that came to be. (laughs) But I just found that so interesting about you. Like as far as wearing the mask, if we're going to talk about that from your psych brain, how do you see that playing out in the world right now? Like the, we've all been wearing masks for, I mean, our whole lives. I mean, how do you feel? Do you feel like this is a time of, as we're being revealed, do you feel this is a time that people are actually like starting to take those off?
4: I don't know. I think people think they're starting to take their masks off but I feel like social media has doubled down on our superficiality I think because mm-hmm. we have these over enhanced embellished lives where we only get to show the best sides on mm-hmm. our Instagrams and our Facebooks and Twitters that it's a mask that exists and it, it also it persists in a way that is wholly untrue because it's not the whole story and it also makes other people feel uncomfortable or inadequate or insufficient. Mm -hmm. When we look at our social media feeds and we see other people's lives that are so amazing, we're not qualifying the fact that there's a lot of stuff they're not showing us. So when we measure against our own reflection, we see all of the bad and all of the good, and it doesn't measure up to someone who's only showing you all the good. That's why Mm -hmm. I feel like I don't know that we are unmasking yet. I thought that the pandemic would be a moment that would Mm -hmm. fully ignite this concept and enlighten everyone that we are all super connected in in the most existential ways, especially when it's just the air between us that is ultimately what could affect us.
3: Right. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah.
4: Politically, it just got spun terribly, and I think we as artists, our opportunity, our challenge is to unify is to unify people mm-hmm. again through music and bring people together and give them a chance to feel whole and human um, mm-hmm. without the pretense you know
3: yeah, that wholeness piece is like you're saying, there's, and I call it fragmentation, there's so much fragmentation that happens, especially on social media where people feel like, oh, this piece of me, and I, it's not just social media. I feel like for myself, you know, this has been kind of my life of my whole life of don't bring that piece of you to the party because it's mm. not accepted, you know? And, you know, the mask of, especially for me being the good girl and like all the things that were fed to me from a very young age and that fragmentation For me, my healing of that has actually been the way I use social media is actually to share the pieces that haven't been brought to the table. And that's new for me. That's a new revelation. And I think that this whole pandemic has actually enlightened me in the way of like, I want to bring all the things to the table that haven't been accepted because that's the way healing happens to me, in my opinion. And you're right. I feel like this pandemic allowed us to touch upon that. But there's a lot of bravery. There's a lot of, you know, it takes a brave soul to walk that path of being fully exposed and honest. And I'm still digging into the layers of that. But I I do think it is our responsibility as artists to connect people. But also, if we have the opportunity and the platform, for me at least, Mm -hmm. it's like I want to show up fully. The fragmentation for me has been so painful. Okay. I think sometimes if people really sit down and think about it, it's painful for them too. You know, it's like if you can't. If there are pieces of you that are unacceptable, that can't be brought forth, then like there's pieces of you that you aren't loving, that you aren't extending love to. I think that's like you saying that that door opened for people, but did they walk through it? You know,
4: yeah. who knows? I feel like um, as an artist, I have not offered enough of who I am, of myself. I've been, uh. I've been playing the game of presenting art and Mm -hmm. not presenting myself. And I always had this idea, this theory, you know. As an artist, I get to create characters. That's my artistic license, poetic license, is to create stories and characters and present something other than who I am. Mm -hmm. But this last album, uh, for me, was an opportunity to start uh, trying to share more that's emotional, sharing more that's personal, sharing more that's intimate. Mm -hmm. And getting even deeper and closer to who I am, hopefully in subsequent projects, so that um, I am showing up fully and not just mm-hmm. as the the showman.
3: No, I, I I dug into your new record a bit, and I and I see that. And I I appreciate that because I think you have so many beautiful things to share and you're such a beautiful human being and your heart is just so in it. And I just really appreciate that and respect that about you as an artist. So so thank you. And speaking of artistry, because I know music, obviously, like we're saying, unites so many of us. And I always find it interesting to dig into everyone's little like music catalog and see what interests them and like what they're into so we have this thing on here called the holy five okay. and so what would be like your five top songs it could be just what you're interested in now or what you've been like throughout your life like what you've loved what would be your top five
0: okay
4: so it's all over the place my top okay. five I like that <laughs> one of my favorite artists of all time is Bill Withers mm-hmm. I feel like when I started singing I adopted a lot of his style lean on me would be one of my top five songs, for sure.
3: Lean on me
4: when you're not strong. Yeah. I'm a huge, huge fan of Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. There are too many songs of his to name, to put into a top five. <laughs> but, you know, I remember when I very first accepted Stevie Wonder as my own. It wasn't my parents anymore. He was my own. Right. Golden Lady was one of the uh-huh. songs. And that's the one that I remember having a huge impact on me and my love for Stevie Wonder.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: When I started singing, the artist that sort of made me make that transition from rapping to singing, I saw mm-hmm. an infomercial for Cat Stevens. And in this oh, infomercial, wow. I saw his face and I saw him playing guitar and, and singing and he felt like he believed every word he said. And mm-hmm. the emotion that I just felt from just seeing him made me want to do that. And so oh, wow, that's cool. There's a song called Father and Son that he has that's really powerful. To
7: listen
5: now there's a way. And I know that I
3: have to
2: go away.
3: His writing's amazing, yeah. Absolutely. Who do you love now? Like what's something that's inspiring you? Like that's I cry that's
4: been out in the last few years. to a song called Be Good by Gregory Porter he's one of the, the new talents in jazz music
3: oh wow and, I haven't uh, heard that I have to go listen
4: the music video the song the lyric the voice the musicianship all of it is above 100% in my opinion
6: but the warmth of your kiss I can't dismiss though my past has left me bruised
4: I ain't it's hard to, for me to find that a lot of times where someone's punching way above average on so mm-hmm. many different variables.
3: Yeah, agreed. What's a, For your fifth song, if I may, what is your favorite off of your new record?
4: Do you have one? Harvard is my favorite off my new record. For everything they need We all got issues It's just the stuff we live through Everybody's got their coffee stains, I ain't complaining, I'm just singing. It's the last song on the album, and it's just, in my opinion, a touching story about how connected we are. We may have different livelihoods, different sources of income, we live under potentially different circumstances, but there are still emotionally some of the things that we just are trying to do that it's all the same. We all want Mm -hmm. to be happy, we all want comfort. We all want to provide a life for our kids. And so, you know, I really like that that song. I feel like it's one of the stronger songs that I've written.
3: I love that. I love what I hear in your music is what I feel like I'm where I'm going with mine right now. And like you're saying, it is connecting people. and it is reminding people of who we are and where you're going and where you, where you are right now and your with your music is just beautiful. So. Congratulations on your new record. I know that takes a lot to birth something into the world. Thank you. <laughs> so and thank you for coming on here. Thank you for chatting with me about life and the mass singer. And I'm just honored that we're able to connect.
4: Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm really happy that you asked me to to come and talk to you. And it's nice to catch up again.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And if I didn't
4: get my fifth song, then I would say Joni Mitchell's anything.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. Johnny Mitchell's Gold. anything Any, anything Joni uh, Mitchell yes yeah. absolutely
4: maybe, maybe big yellow taxing
3: oh very fun there's your playful side yeah. I love that <laughs> well thank you my friend thank you yeah much love I'll see you soon cheers bye bye All right, everyone, that's it for this episode. Please don't hesitate to share it with anyone you think would benefit from listening. And I would love to hear from you too. So leave me a message and a rating wherever you get your podcast. On the next Holy Human, we'll be with the incredibly amusing and inspiring Amber Hawken. The force of nature behind an amazing book called The Unfuckwithable Life, Seven Codes to Embrace Connection and Vulnerability to Create a Life of Inspiration and Freedom. Until then, I wish you peace and much connection with those you love, especially yourself. Follow Holy Human on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.
0: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt in your mouth magic of a Keebler Sandys for a post errands pick me up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So, as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandys.
7: Are you feeling overwhelmed by anxiety? your mind and embrace a future filled with hope and possibility visit our website today to explore our courses and start your journey towards a brighter tomorrow use code brain 10 and get 10 percent off that's code brain 10 and get 10 percent off your first purchase aiming university because your mental health matters